Sports and Alpha by Benji Mellers is available on Amazon. Order your copy of Sanborn's Boys today. Well, there it is. We finally have intro music. Snaps all around. Round of applause. Fantastic. We got all it right. together. We, we slipped the ad in there real smooth. Mm-hmm. So you'll be... Exactly. On the up and up. Okay. So we want... We wanted to start this week with uh, some a little bit of a personal connection you have with someone who had a, a big milestone this week. Exactly. Uh, you might have seen. I don't know how follow how closely you guys follow the AHL, but uh, Bodie Wild, uh, noted second round pick of the New York Islanders uh, in 2018. He played his first game uh, as a professional for the was it the Bridge the Bridgeport team? Yep, Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Yeah, Bridgeport. Yep, uh, against the Laval Rocket. Now, uh, my personal connection with Bodie Wild is that I went to the same elementary school with him. Uh, he was a couple years older than us, but I still got to meet the guy a few times. I mean, back then, he wasn't some superstar or anything. He was just, you know, Bodie from a couple years older. Uh, but yeah, you know, I've been tracking his progress. Good for him. Good for him. Big congratulations. Shout out to this guy. Uh, yeah, he's making, ways, he's making his way up. He's a pretty uh, highly touted prospect in that organization. Uh, good for him, and I'm uh, cheering for him. I don't think it'll be very long before he makes his NHL debut. Oh, I, I can't really wait. Don't. I can't wait. And just to yeah, wait till he plays have... the Habs. Oh. <laughs> maybe we should have a watch party. I totally we, should. We, totally we, should. We watched, we watched that draft together. We were hoping he'd go in the first round, but but alas, he did not. Yeah, but we still, still you know, happy. second round yeah. pick. Yeah, yeah, Islanders yeah. Islanders got a steal. 41st overall. They really did. They really What a snipe. Yes, that was a great job for the Islanders, man. Anyway, so the yeah, Canadians are on a very, very enjoyable hot streak. They really are. An absolute I'm heater. Uh, yeah, their last regulation loss was almost a month ago. It was the 24th of October. Really? No believe way. It. Oh, wait, no, That's the 2nd of November. Sorry, 2nd of November. And then yeah, uh, the yeah. one before that. So they've had one regulation loss since October 26th, which is pretty wild. Yeah, they're 7-2 uh, in their last 10. That's right, uh, and uh, so uh, you, you want to just go through the, the the games of the week? Yeah, sure. So for the second week in a row, they got five out of six points. Let's go, let's and go. They started with, I think their worst game of the week was the first one against Columbus, even though they won. Probably. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, was, uh, it felt pretty iffy there. Uh, I'm glad they could pull out the two points, but uh, maybe they didn't deserve that, you know? Yeah, probably. So this was this was kind of almost a week ago, so... Kind of have mm-hmm. to, to rag my brain to remember. They won in a shootout. They, they did. It was tied 1-1 until late. And Columbus scored, I believe, with like, what, yeah, about two the, minutes left? Yeah, just under ten, uh, two minutes left. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to take the lead. And it was looking like that was it. Then Nick Suzuki. Okay, yes, I remember this. Nick Suzuki made a beautiful pass to Tatar. Oh. Under a minute You want to talk about Nick Suzuki real fast? Yeah. Again? I love We always do our I, weekly Nick Suzuki segment. Let's go. Our, our weekly showering our affection unto Nick Suzuki. And um, every week so he gets yeah, better and better. It's true. I love it. So, like, at the beginning of the year, 
at the beginning of the regular season, it was kind of, oh, I don't know. He was playing on the wing. He wasn't really being noticeable. Maybe they should have sent him to Laval. And he's been getting more confident and better. They they trusted him that he would. And that was a, obviously that's paying off. He's playing at center now. And even after Kotkaniemi came back, they kept Suzuki at center and moved Max Domi to the wing because Suzuki's just been that good. Yeah, exactly. It's like a, it's like a, it's a great problem to have. You have too many centers. You have to you have to move Domi to the wing. I mean, Domi he was a winger before he came over to Montreal, right? Like uh, he played center oh, before. Yeah, he played or center he been... junior. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah like, he's a center. Yeah. Okay. But uh, so uh, you know, this guy, he's uh, Suzuki. He's just uh, he's just playing great out there. It seems like every every game, I see him make like a couple of just beautiful passes in the offensive zone. Uh, he tends to like that. He he tends to have mastered. Uh, that 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 cross seam pass, you know, that through the slot, like a royal yeah. road pass, and it's uh, he just gets it tape to tape. It seems there, like like a couple a couple times a game, and he's had a bunch of points. Uh, he's had a couple goals, and uh, yeah, no, he just looks great out there. He's just getting better and better. You mm-hmm. you mentioned to me, you mentioned to me, uh, I think it was yesterday or the night before, that looking back on that Max Pacioretty trade, even just Nick Suzuki at this point. Might have been a fair return, not to mention you know Tatar and the pick that they got that they ended up moving down for. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, uh, I mean, we we give uh, Mark Bergeron crap, I think deservedly for what he did before, but his recent trades, uh, you know, they've panned out pretty well. I mean, uh, yeah, no kidding. Uh, maybe he's figured it out. I don't know. I, I I've got hope for him. He drafted Caulfield. I mean, this is uh, I've got optimism for Mark. But uh, yeah, this trade absolutely spectacular. I mean, uh, what can you say? Nick Suzuki, this guy's already panning out. He's like 19, 20 years old. What is, how is he? Something like 20. that. And yeah, yeah 20. And uh, <laughs> he's just, he's looking great. And honestly, yeah, if, if we look back and uh, this was just patch ready for Suzuki straight up, uh, because Tatar, honestly, was kind of a cap dump for Vegas, right? So, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's, it, it looks absolutely fantastic. And, and they got, you know, the, the pick that they traded down for Matthias Norlander. So it's just like, uh-huh. you know, this trade, everything, every single component of it. I mean, Pacioretty is a good player, but uh, it seems like Nick Suzuki has uh, the potential in the next, even maybe the next couple of years to uh, surpass Pacioretty. Oh, yeah. Because I, I, one day, you, uh, I think I want to write a book about Mark Bergevin and his tenure whenever that ends. Right. Because, because he was hired when we were when we, nine 10 years old we were 10 years old when when they hired him and it, mm-hmm. it's just great i think he's one of the longest tenured gms in the nhl and it's just i don't know you know to be such a such an important part of the team for you know your teenage years and whoever who knows how much longer after that yeah for sure I don't and know uh, it, it seems like uh yeah yeah but uh it's like uh you know he's gotten better as we get smarter hockey wise uh, i like to think you know and uh yeah, it's just uh, it's 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 been an interesting tenure for sure. Well, he started off pretty great and kind of dipped yeah. around around 2016 or 2017. Kind I wouldn't call it a dip. I call it a crash. I call it a crash. I mean, he was terrible for a bit there. Crater. Yeah. So the most fun and best game of the week was definitely Friday oh. night, November 15th yeah. against against the first place Washington Capitals, who were on an absolute a bit of a shaky theater. start there. Mm-hmm, they did. Got off to a bit of a shaky start, definitely. Ovechkin almost got a hat trick in the first two minutes, but uh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, <laughs> but they got it together. They, really they exploded for yep. four goals in the second period. It was Fleur de Lis, Rocket, Ferris wheel, and uh, motorcycle. Off the mm-hmm, top of my head, mm-hmm. <laughs> remembering those <laughs> emojis. 
Yes. Yeah. Jordan Kincaid. Wheel had been uh-huh, at, at, at blockade one. Exactly. So Jordan Wheel had been had been scratched for I don't know how many games leading into this one, and mm-hmm. I don't remember who who came out of the. It was Paling who they sent down. So Jordan Wheel got into the lineup and scored a goal, and he looked great. And I don't know how when when Byron comes back. Well, you don't who you don't just got sent down after playing one game, but when everyone's healthy, I don't know who the odd man out is between Wheel and Thompson and Cousins, or or who, whoever else it may be. Yeah, honestly, I look at the the, the fourth line, uh, the, the way they played out there, like all of them, they seem to be making like solid plays. I see I see Nate Thompson, he's he's constantly backtracking. This guy's like a a solid two way forward. And uh, you mentioned what's gonna happen when they're all healthy. Well, I think we should uh, you know wait until they get to that point. You know, don't jinx it there. Uh, no, but sorry, also, sorry. but also, uh, you know, this uh, it's it's a good problem to have. And I think uh, you know you you keep them rotating as they kind of have right now. And uh, even Wheel Wheel and Cousins mentioned they mentioned how they were both they're both hungry. You know, coming off the the press box. And I think that's uh-huh. good. You know, it's good for the team. You know, they come out and the uh, wheel was absolutely flying, as you mentioned, uh, against Washington. And uh, so, yeah, this this rotation, you know, keeping them fresh, keeping them hungry. You know, they want that spot in the lineup. They don't take it for granted. And uh, it's just it's a good problem to have uh, this. this uh, it's like an overload of forward depth. One thing I, I wouldn't really mind is to not because he deserves to be taken out of the lineup, but maybe give Nate Thompson some rest from now from every now and then. He's the oldest forward. I think he's the oldest player on the team, and he looks great. But maybe you just want to, you know, just give him a night off every now and then, just to to keep him fresh. Hope for late in the season, and hopefully for the playoffs too. Yeah, for because sure. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, he is. And uh, you know, I but I think that also applies for all the players. You know, uh, I think all of them could use rest. I think, yeah, you're right, Nate Thompson in particular because he's uh, he's on the older side for the team. But uh, I think all of them could definitely benefit from a night of rest. I mean, it's 82 game grind, right? Uh, you you, you got to keep that in mind. So uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, once they all get healthy, hopefully, uh, knock on wood, there uh, we'll be able to like uh, rotate them, rotate them, and uh, hopefully, Claude Julien will be able to maximize his uh, fantastic forward depth. Credit to uh, Mark Bergeron for acquiring such forwards. Oh yes, definitely, definitely. And uh, I also wanted to. I feel like we should mention Shea Weber's goal against the Capitals that Ilya Samsonov actually moved out of the way. Yeah, it was an absolute laser. I mean, uh, this guy's on a hot streak. You meant you brought it up last week. I was a bit skeptical, but this guy is really—he's uh, found his groove recently with the scoring. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a couple of week, a couple of weeks in a row. Where he's had an absolute laser from the point. The one uh, last week, right off the rebound, and this one, he just just freaking lasered it. Are you kidding me? And uh, he seemed to have found an office there in the kind of the Oveshkin spot, you know, uh, near the the circle on the left side of the left side. Oh yeah, he just. I can, uh, remember, yeah, no. I can only remember one time before a goalie ducking out of the way of a shot, and it was I think like I don't know around 2012 I guess when Ilya Brzezgalov was with the Flyers and he ducked out of the way of a of a David Dayarnay wrist shot. <laughs> I, I, can, I can still picture it. I don't know. Maybe you could find it online somewhere still, but it was funny and it reminded me of that. So and then there was yesterday, after after beating the best team in the NHL. They uh, don't beat the, what are they, 29th place New Jersey Devils? Yeah, one of the worst teams in the league right now. Yes, they, uh, <laughs> that was, that was uh, frustrating to not it go is. three and yeah. People I don't know, like, it's just like, yeah? Yeah, you, know, you go ahead. Okay, I was just saying, yeah, I was about to say, like, uh, you know, this team, 
like they, it, 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 you talk about frustration, you know, I feel that it's just like, I feel like, you know, night in, night out, sometimes it's a bit inconsistent, you know what I mean? With playing to their, playing down to the strength of their opponents. Uh, you talk about playing well against Washington, beating Boston a, a week ago, but also, you know, barely eking out a win against LA, barely eking one against uh, a depleted Columbus team. And, uh, you know, losing to the Devils, losing to the Wild, the Red Wings. I'm bringing it back a while. But still, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, it's a bit frustrating. You see these these bad teams that they should be beating. It's a, This is a playoff team. You should be beating the really bad teams like the Devils and the Red Wings and the Wild. And then you see them lose. Even if it's in the shootout or in the overtime, uh, it, you should still be winning these games in regulation. Honestly, I was thinking about this, whether I'm more concerned with playing well and beating the best teams and losing or and playing poorly against the bad teams, whether that's better or worse than the other way around of always beating the teams that are worse than you and always losing to the teams that are better than you. And I think I prefer this one. And be, because when you can beat the teams that are better than you, that shows that it's all in your head. Well, to, mm-hmm. you know, to put it a certain way, then you know you're capable of beating the teams that are worse than you, whereas if it were the other way around... And you just you always lose to to Washington, Boston, St. Louis, or whoever else. Then that shows, oh, maybe you're just you're just not good enough. And I feel like that would be more disheartening. So, so I'm not too concerned with with the, the way things are going right now in terms of that. Right, but you'd like to see it improve in the future, right? Oh, of because course you would. yeah, of course but, it's but not I think you're right. I think you're right on that point because uh, say if you're losing to the good teams, it might indicate a lack of talent or just you know like team competence. So you're, you, I think you're right on that front, but uh, you know, yeah. definitely something to watch out in the future. Uh, you're looking ahead at the schedule right now. This is probably going to be the easiest stretch of the schedule uh, for the Habs for the rest of the season, honestly. Because and they they better rack up these points. I'm looking up right here, right here. We they have the Blue Jackets, then they have the 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 Senators, then the Rangers. Uh, well, they got the Bruins after that. Then they got the Devils. So this is a stretch, and then the Flyers. So this is a stretch where I expect them to rack up a lot of points. I want them to put some space ahead of the wild card chasers. Uh, like Toronto yep. and Tampa Bay, uh, because uh, honestly, this is this is looking like a really easy stretch right now. They've got no back-to-backs in the stretch that I just mentioned, except for Columbus, Ottawa, which would still win uh, both of those games. So yep. this should be, you know, uh, this yeah, they should really rack up some points, maybe even take a division lead because the schedule is just so easy. Uh, honestly, I expect them to win all four of these games. I should be able to. We should be able to come next Sunday and uh, finally a perfect week. Hope so. And we also should definitely mention Kale Fleury's first career NHL goal. It was a beauty. Oh, an absolute dangle. Yeah, I know. What a great way to score your first, even though they ended up losing. Oh, well. Yeah. Ah, well, it's fine. The the team looked so excited for him. It was was nice to see. I was so excited for him. And, uh, yeah, it was frustrating how uh, uh, giving up a goal with one second left in the period, especially a shorthanded goal. Oh. And, and it was the exact same play as uh, a few seconds earlier, right? It was the same yeah. Zaka and, and uh, was it Hughes, was it? Or no, it was not. It was Hughes, right. Uh, right. And it was, just, it's, it was just excruciating to see, you know, end of the period. And we mentioned this earlier last week, right? It was, uh, it's this end of period. It just seems to be they collapse sometimes. It seems they get tired or something. Uh, it, it just happened again. It was extremely frustrating. I was, it was uh, you know, I was pissed about that goal because it shouldn't have gone in. Are you kidding me? A shorthanded goal. Uh, 30 seconds after you gave up another shorthanded like two uh, breakaway, basically, uh, yeah, it was just it wasn't great to see. That's always a, a coach's worst nightmare is uh, last minute, especially like you know last second goals. Oh, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's awful. Uh, moving a bit to 
the goaltending situation actually with the Habs. Uh, what do you, yeah. We've seen Carey Price. He's played a lot of games. He's played the most in the league so far uh, uh-huh. for goalies. So, you know, they almost they, they, there was talk of even playing him on both nights of the back-to-back. Uh, are you concerned would, about his workload? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, so, there was some talk that Carey Price should have played this back-to-back. I have no idea where that came from. The reason you have a backup goalie is to play them at the very least on one of two nights in a back-to-back. I think I count. I think the Canadians had. I don't remember exactly how many back-to-backs, but I counted. If Kincaid only plays on one half of the back-to-back and Price plays all the other games, then Price would be playing about somewhere in the mid-60s. I don't remember exactly. And I think even though that's probably what's going to end up happening, about 65 games for Price, that's probably mm-hmm. too many. That's probably too many. Uh, you look at last year, the example I think I mentioned before, Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak. Rask played some, something about 55 games and Halak played the rest. He was a great backup. And then Rask was so fresh for the playoffs, he was the best player in the entire playoffs. And the goalie that beat him in the finals, Jordan Binnington, was playing in the, the AHL for for the first half of the year. So he didn't have to play a full NHL season. And you just, you know, Matt Murray, who won the cup twice, he was splitting time with Marc-Andre Fleury. Braden Holtby, who won the cup recently, Philip Grubauer had become the starter for for a big chunk of that season. So, so many of the recent goalies that have gone far in the playoffs have been fresh in the playoffs. It's because they didn't have to play more than 60 games. So I'm concerned about any team who's playing their starting goalie 65 games and expects them to be great deep into the playoffs. That's my uh, I think you're, Yeah, I think you're absolutely right on that count. Uh, I mean, we have a decent backup goal that we just signed, right? Keith and Kate, and he played well last night. Uh, they left the high, they left him out to dry sometimes at certain points in the game. Uh, so, you know, it's not like you, you're not, you're not the Leafs. You don't have a total black hole in the backup position. Uh, I, I say I have no idea why not they're not playing Kincaid, uh, especially with the recent models of success that you just mentioned. I mean, teams that, you know, rest their goalie and you have two competent uh, tandems. I mean, you even just look at the Islanders. Uh, they made it farther last year than everybody expected. And uh, both goalies were, were playing great. I know uh, they have a good yeah, system down there. So, yeah, there, there's definitely something to be said about resting your goalie. Uh, I know Price is paid, uh, whatever, $10 million to be a starting goalie. But that doesn't mean you need to work him 65 games a year, plus the playoffs. So you're here to the eighth year of the contract. Exactly. You want to keep it right because he's it's also an investment. You just mentioned, yeah, eight years uh, to go on this guy. Why are you burning him out uh, at the beginning of the contract? I mean, there's definitely a fear of burnout at this point because you're playing him so much. I mean, most in the league. That's that's pretty crazy. So I'm looking at the Canadian schedule now. They actually do have a fair amount of back to backs coming up after Columbus, Ottawa this week. They've got Philly, Boston on Mm -hmm. uh, November 30th, December 1st. Then later that week they have Colorado, New York on a back-to-back Thursday, Friday. And then they and then the next week they have Pittsburgh, Ottawa on a back-to-back Tuesday, Wednesday. So hopefully Keith Kincaid's going to get some some action coming up. And then again they have Tampa, Florida at the end of December. That's a quite a little ways away, but just looking mm-hmm. ahead a little bit, I think Kincaid should be playing more often than he has been. In the I think absolutely right. Yeah, I think that's a bit I on Claude Julia. I hope uh, he turns it around a bit. You know. Hmm. I also I want to say uh kind of on a different uh a different stream the Devils game yesterday 
I watched, you know, you see PK Subban, and I know we're like Weber's cool and good, and we all like him, but I really miss PK Subban, and it kind of makes me sad when I watch him play for another team. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. You know, over the it's been a while, so I'm kind of over it. He's on his third team, so it's it's not as if he's on the the Predators. Uh, I, I mean, he's had his struggles this year. He hasn't been. He hasn't been great offensively. I mean, he did play well against the Habs, I, I felt. But uh, I, I don't miss him so much, especially with, uh, with Shea Weber's hot streak recently. It makes it a lot easier to digest. I mean, uh, I, I know Subban was great. His personality was absolutely electric. Uh, it was great exactly. watching him. Like, uh, I, yeah, I, You're right about that point. I do miss that. But uh, on the ice, not so much anymore. Not going to lie. I mean, it felt well, lopsided exactly. as it was before. It's still a bad trade by all means, but uh, it's easier to swallow for me. I don't know about you. It's not exactly like, oh, I want him back today and I want to undo the trade today. Just, you know, like I miss how much fun it was to have him, you know. I missed the 2014 playoff run and and whatever else. It's not, you know, kind of just mm-hmm. thinking about fun memories. Anyway, so yeah, I the mean, next thing on our list, yeah. next thing on our list is uh, the Washington Capitals and their goaltending situation. So Ilya mm-hmm. Samsonov, before that game against Montreal, had actually been having a, a great rookie year. I think he was five and one in his first six games. He was a first yeah. round pick a couple of years ago, and it's looking like he's going to be the goalie of the future for Washington. And that future might be coming pretty soon because Braden Holpe is a UFA at the end of the year. Yes, Any he thoughts? is. Uh- well, uh, yeah, I think you. Uh, I, I honestly, I don't have that much to say. I think you said it right there. Uh, the, I think uh, the goalie for the future is uh, Samsonov for them. Uh, is it Samsonov or Samsonov? I'm not too sure. Uh, they said they seem to have said Samsonov all, all over the broadcast. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's uh, Samsonov. Yeah. Okay, but uh, he he's played he played well. Uh, I, I think at this point, I don't know why you would pay Braden Holtby the UFA money if you have a guy sitting right there and he seems to be fine, right? Uh, so yeah, honestly, I don't see really a justification for paying Braden Holtby that money. Uh, if Braden Holtby had con- years left on his contract, yeah, I'd definitely keep him. I wouldn't trade him away just in case, you know, Sadsadov struggles. But he's the UFA this year. I don't see the point. He's going to demand the long-term contract, obviously, and he deserves it uh, the way he's played. He's won a cup recently. Uh, but uh, for the Capitals, I think the right fit for them, stick with Samsonov uh, and, and give him the reins, uh, give the keys to the, the card, as to, so to speak. What do you think? I think it might be a little bit too soon, just at the end of this year. Well, depending on how Samsonov performs for the rest of the year, might be a bit mm-hmm. too early to say, all right, here, here, be the starter now, you know? Like, just just he's 22 and he still doesn't have that much experience in North American ice. If I don't know what other UFA goalies are available, but maybe if Holby wants to sign for seven years somewhere and you don't want to do that, then maybe there's someone else you can kind of insulate him with. Yeah, you know, definitely. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think there's something to be said about maybe even a tandem uh, system, like a 1A, 1B, and you have, you have Sansonov as the lead and you have like a, a very competent, maybe you pay a bit more for a backup on a short-term deal. Uh, yeah, because, yeah. yeah, I think you're right. You want to insulate yourself, especially on this contender uh, Capitals team. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to put all your chips into Samsonov's table. But I think signing Braden Holpe at this point, he's 30 years old. He wants the long-term contract. I think it's just, uh, it's cap-wise, I think it's irresponsible. Uh, I so agree. I don't think, well, I don't think you should uh, leave Samsonov as the only answer next year. And you should sign somebody who is competent, who is a proven uh, a backup, maybe someone who's already started in the past. 
uh, I don't think Brain Holpe is the answer in Washington for uh, in, in the coming years. I think there's basically no way that they can keep Braden Holpe even if they wanted to because they're so close to the cap right now. And Nicholas Backstrom mm-hmm. also needs a new contract. He's in, he's set to become a UFA. And they've got a couple uh, small-level RFAs. But yeah, Holpe and Backstrom are both coming off the books. So so they're, yeah, gonna have, they're team, probably going to... De- for I, a contending team like that... Holtby's gonna have- yeah. I'm sorry? Okay. Yeah, for a contending team, you really need to save every dollar, and you don't want to. You want to spend it where you need it. Uh, you don't need two exactly. starting caliber like that. All right. Mm-hmm. So okay, yesterday, so you want to move on? yeah, yesterday in the Vancouver versus Colorado game, there was an incident that a lot of Avalanche players were were upset about, rightfully. So Matt Calvert, I think, was killing a penalty and took a shot off the head, and was he yeah. was he bleeding? He was bleeding out of the head. Yeah, he was bleeding and he was he was in tremendous distress and the play was not blown dead. I'm pretty sure Vancouver ended up scoring pretty quickly after. Yeah, they scored about 10 seconds later. Mm-hmm. So officially, the rule is that when there's an injured player on the ice, you aren't supposed to blow the play dead until their team gets possession of the puck because mm-hmm. of because of the possibility that you would, you know, fake an injury to to ruin a scoring chance for for the other team. But in situations like this, you kind of just should use common sense, shouldn't you? Ah, uh, it's it's it's. I don't know. I think I don't have a. In this situation, I think it's really hard as a referee in that in that situation. You mentioned the rule, right? It's it's uh, possession of the puck, and you have to look at the other side. I mean, like the Canucks scored right after, right? It's not like and it was on a power play. I understand that he was bleeding out of his head. I, I honestly, right now, I blame. I don't blame the refs. I blame more the rule. You know what I mean? I was because just about to the refs, yeah, exactly. The refs are paid to follow the rules, as I was ranting about last week, right? And I can't, uh-huh. you know, like you know, flip my head right now. They're paid to play the rules, and and here they did follow the rules. The rule is that if Vancouver retains possession, you let it go on. Obviously, it's extremely alarming to see somebody on the ice like that, uh, and the play going on. It looks terrible for the league. Yep. I mean, you are you're you're practically as a human, basically watching the game. You're screaming, you know, stop the play dead. Get the trainer on the ice right away. This guy took a shot right to the head, right? Yeah. But uh, in this scenario, uh, you, you mentioned common sense, but also Vancouver did score right after. It's, it's a tricky balance. Uh, yeah, so I, as I mentioned, I think the rule is at fault. Uh, so you let the refs, you know, make that judgment call. And in this case, I, if the refs uh, have a judgment, uh, you know, it's a judgment call, I think they probably would have. I, I can't, obviously, we can't assume, but I think there's a greater chance that the player is blown dead right immediately and we don't have this, you know, this bad look for the league. I think this they definitely have to do something about this. Eric Johnson had an interview also where he really dug into them, said, talked about how embarrassing it is. This actually, this reminds me of, I actually, when I used to play ice hockey, I, I mm. uh, there was, a, in my first year when I was 10 years old, there was a very similar situation. There was a player on our team who who was injured and they didn't blow the play dead. This is these are nine and ten year olds, and they and our coach was yelling, "Stop the play! Stop the play!" You know, and the refs wouldn't yeah. stop the play. And it was way it was like almost a minute. I at least it felt like a minute. And my coach started walking onto the ice to go tend to my player in the middle of the play. Mm-hmm. That actually that actually happened. Yeah. The play was going on, and my coach was set to walk onto the ice. And then they ended up. The other team actually ended up scoring. So he wasn't actually on the ice during during very much of the play. It was just like two or three seconds. But anyway, 
the coach ended up getting suspended for two games for that's, doing that's, that. That's a pretty extreme scenario right there. I mean, uh, yeah, just, that's just my story. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a that's pretty crazy. Uh, I don't know what those guys were thinking. I mean, it's nine and ten year olds, right? So, uh, uh, yeah, that's a bit yeah. weird. Uh, that's a fun story. Uh, yeah, yeah, fun story. Fun story. Yeah, fun. Love love to have lying lying players down on the ice injured. Love those fun stories. Anyway, yes. Uh, so, <laughs> you want to move on to? <laughs> great yeah, sure. Great way to end that uh, that discussion. All right. Uh, so, Ilya Kovalchuk is old and not good anymore. And the LA Kings, who are also old and not good anymore, decided that Ilya Kovalchuk is just, you know, not going to play for them anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ilya Kovalchuk was signed summer 2018 for three years for too much money to the LA Kings. Yes. And mm-hmm. and he never, it never really seemed that they got along. With, uh, no, you know, Todd Mc- Todd McClellan is the, the coach of the Kings, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, he was scratched a couple times last year, and now that yeah, they just decided this isn't going to work out, and yep. you're not going to play for us anymore. Hmm. It's just uh, yeah, it's a, it's a weird situation. I mean, uh, yeah, you're right. It didn't seem to fit from the get go. Uh, I mean, I don't know why anybody signed to such a huge deal in the first place. I mean, this guy hadn't played in the NHL for. I don't know how many years. years. It was like three, four years, uh, even five years. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah just the, the contract was bad from the get-go. Uh, and I don't know. I, I can't tell if this is like a, a – t- this, this feels like a tank move. I'm not going to lie uh, with the Kings being terrible. I mean, I think Kovalchuk has something to bring uh, and uh, on the ice. I think because the Kings are so bad. Uh, maybe they want to play their young players. I'm not too sure what's happening there. But, uh, you know, uh, this smells fishy a bit. Not going to lie. It smells like a bit of a tank move. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I just thought it was kind of weird because all the time it happens, players get scratched for extended periods. Like, you know, we just we just kind of saw it with, with Jordan Wheel. And one that comes to mind last year, the Leafs scratched Justin Hall for like 400 games in a row. And this one, it mm-hmm. kind of felt like, like an official release. Like the Los Angeles Kings will be healthy scratching Ilya Kovalchuk. It was kind of weird. Like you could just, just scratch him because healthy scratches happen all the time. And just, you know. Mm-hmm. It was mm, weird. Yeah, they, they yeah, the announcement was definitely weird. I mean, it was a bit off. I mean, uh, yeah, indefinitely. You don't need to announce that. Just keep scratching them every game. Why do you need to make a whole press uh, event yeah, out of in, it? Injuries uh, are indefinite. Everything, every time you healthy scratch someone, it's indefinitely. You don't know if they'll mm-hmm. play next game or not. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty weird phrasing for for a healthy scratch. And I don't know, there was rumblings maybe. Maybe they were trying to to see if anyone would be a taker for him in a trade. But I have no idea who would want to do that, even at fifty percent salary. Maybe if they yeah, took no, back they... another bad contract. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he has only I'm one not... year left after this one, right? Yeah, one year after this one. Mm-hmm. But it's just still kind of a long time. And if yeah, you buy so him out, and if you buy him out now, there's no cap relief either because he's thirty-five or older. So yeah. the LA Kings are kind of in a. A bit of a pickle now with Ilya Kovalchuk. Even though I think the smart thing would probably be just to hold on to him for the for the rest of the contract because it's not as if they have Stanley Cup aspirations in the near future, right? Yeah, I think uh, you just uh, you eat it. You eat it. I mean, there's no other way to go. Uh, I don't know why you'd give up assets to get rid of that contract, especially. Uh, given the fact that you're you're going nowhere as you as you mentioned, uh, so I think and you don't want to buy him out. 
Now you'll have them for two years. So and you can't because you'll get no relief. Uh, so yeah, I think I think you're right. The best solution just moving forward is to just eat it. Uh, moving on, uh, Andrew Ladd was placed another on waivers. Old guy making, another old guy making too much money. Andrew Ladd. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so he's been, uh, what, he's been injured. He's been injured for the better part of the past two years or so. And he went down to Bridgeport on a on a conditioning stint. And I think mm-hmm. he played about five games, got like one point. And so they cleared him to play. They recalled him from the conditioning stint. And then they placed him on waivers and assigned him back to Bridgeport once he cleared waivers. So this was the guy who used to be the captain of the, the Atlanta Thrashers slash Winnipeg Jets. He won a cup with the Blackhawks. He used to be a top six winner. He was part of that that infamous July 1st of 2016 where there were like mm-hmm. 10, 10 wingers who signed terrible contracts or 10 forward. Andrew Ladd, Louis Erickson, Milan Lucic, David Bacchus, Franz Nielsen all signed terrible deals. Probably some other bad. one I'm forgetting about. They should have just stayed. The Jets should have just stayed away from that free agent class. It was terrible. I mean, just the way they've turned out. No, the main reason actually because a ton of teams were clearing up room to make a run at Steven Stamkos, who ended right. up re-signing with the Lightning two days before July first. So then they had all this this empty room and they didn't know what to do with it. So they said, "Oh, Andrew uh-huh. Ladd, next best thing," you know. Yeah, so you that, I, don't, see that I don't know if I see Andrew Ladd playing. Uh, in the NHL again, but I definitely think it's a possibility. If the Islanders maybe have a couple injuries, I don't think Andrew Ladd is too far down the the call up ranking. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, yeah, he's like a borderline NHL player at this time. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But uh, just just the contract is so bad. You have four years left. Uh, it's just it hurts to see, you know. Jesus. Yeah, I think he could definitely still play in the NHL. I don't. I don't know about what the injury was like, if it's really made him, if it's really impacted his play, I couldn't really tell you. But but I don't think just, you know, two years after being an effective, you know, second or third liner, unless the injury was pretty bad, I don't think it would be that devastating. Yeah, well, look, this guy, this guy, uh, he, 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 he was overpaid from the start, and uh, he's 33, so time has clearly caught up to him. I know the injury definitely... Uh, will affect them. In the, uh, well, like I mean, the injury sucks, obviously. But uh, yeah, I mean, th- this guy was uh, this guy's gonna fall off a cliff eventually, whether it's whether it's already happened or will in the near future. Either way, th- uh, I don't know what I'm gonna do with the contract if I'm the Islanders. Uh, four years left. Uh, I think you just gotta eat it. I think with these bad contracts, the best way, honestly, unless you're a cup contender, uh, which I don't think the Islanders are, I think the best answer is just eat the contract. And uh, because honestly, all the other alternatives. Not too attractive. I mean, you give up an asset or uh-huh. you eat it for double the time. Like, I don't want Andrew Ladd on my books for the next eight years. <laughs> I don't I don't think uh, Islanders fans would agree with you that the Islanders are on a cup contender. Where, where they're, uh, they're near the top of the league, you know. They're on a mm-hmm. crazy, crazy hot streak. They had that 10-game winning streak recently. They're still winning lots of games. I could see them making a deep run. I don't know. Very trust. Yeah, I know. I know. I've been... Uh, I, it, funny enough, I've been the one uh, who's been touting the Islanders on this podcast. But I just, I, yeah, they're a playoff team, uh, cup contender, uh, maybe not. I, I, don't, I just don't see it. It's the Islanders. Yeah, uh, me neither. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Some people might disagree, just based on the fact that you know they're winning lots of games, and winning is how you how you win. But whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, whatever. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, so, uh, terrible team so far has been uh, having uh, somewhat of a, uh, I don't know if you can call it a predictable run. No, it's totally unpredictable. It's the Leafs. They've been terrible. Five losses in a row. Should we celebrate now or later when they lose again? Uh, let's celebrate now. Might as well. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Round of applause. Uh, Five-game losing streak for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. No, it's not. Uh, about- mm-hmm. So... Mike Babcock is the head coach of this team, and he was when he was brought on, like, what was it, 2015? It was mm-hmm. kind of like like a lot of Leafs fans and people looked at it as, as oh, this is the, this is the one who's going to lead us to the promised land. Big, big, tent, big uh, resume, won gold medals, won a Stanley Cup once. And now, is he going to get fired, do you think? Elliot Friedman said... Maybe everything's on the table. Chris Johnson kind of agreed on Hockey Night in Canada yesterday. Look, uh, in my opinion, you look at so when you see this kind of chatter, I think uh, it gets kind of close. You know what I mean? I don't think he's a he's gonna get fired immediately, but I think he's getting close. When you see you know Ellie Freeman talk about it, you see people talking about it on the broadcast more and more often. It becomes you know a nightly thing. Every single time they lose on Twitter, uh, it, it's just I think you give them a few more losses. Uh, especially if it's in a row, they don't see a win for the next week or something. I think he's gone. Uh, uh, just, just the way you know, I look at how it's. I look at the chatter, right? Usually, right. you don't really see a coach like this being fired out of the blue. You see like a buildup, a buildup, a buildup, and this buildup, honestly, it's been like this since they they lost last year in the playoffs yep. for the second time against the Bruins, and it's definitely been building up. They could have killed it off if he had won uh, this year. He started winning a lot, but they haven't, and it's just been building and building, and building. And I think if they lose a few more games, uh, especially if they go on, they continue going on a cold streak like they have uh, recently, they lose another five games in a row. I think uh, I don't really think there's a shot for him to stay uh, for the rest of the season. I think he's gone. Uh, I don't know who replaces him, uh, but because those are two new assistants, I think that they just hired. So I don't know how familiar they are. But uh, we could, we'll talk about replacements if he gets fired eventually. I think, but. Uh, yeah, I just think uh, just the way it's been going, he's not immediately going to get fired. But if he keeps losing, he'll be canned. What do you think? Uh-huh. Uh, well, they've already lost five games in a row, which is kind of a big mm-hmm. deal. Spread for a team that's supposed to be a playoff team. Five, a five-game losing streak, that's pretty significant. And so I don't think this even has to go on that much longer. And it's not only, it's not only the fact that they're losing, is that they have so much talent on the team. So many, you know, star forwards they've got. They added Tyson Berry to the defense, and he hasn't been very good. They have a great goalie, and the coach hasn't been able to, to do anything with it. Someone said uh, that Mike Babcock's most impressive year with the Leafs was the year they finished last because they had been – they were one of the best last-place teams uh, of all time. And I know that sounds kind of stupid to say, but that team – had nothing at all. They had just traded Kessel. Their leading goal scorer was P.A. Parento. Uh, Morgan Riley was playing with like Matt Hunwick. Their goalies were Jonathan Bernier and Garrett Sparks. And they still finished with, I think, like about 70 points. So I think Mike Babcock is more suited to get the most out of, uh, out of uh, you know, fourth-line players and third-line players rather than to get the most out of superstars. So that's why I don't think any more. He's suited to to coach a team like the Leafs are. I think he's gone. I think they've gone as far as he could take them. That's my uh, yeah, viewpoint. I think, yeah, I think uh, he brought he brought a very 
uh, like a healthy culture to the to the Leafs. I mean, you look at the mess that they were before he arrived. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think you're right. Uh, I, I think he's taken them as far as he can go. Uh, I think he was a solid hire. I, I don't think he deserved the money that he got, but I think definitely he the, the Leafs needed a coach like him. But uh, I wouldn't have given him the eight years. I mean, this guy. Uh, you look at his resume a bit. I know it's been a bit overstated, maybe. But uh, you know, oh, he's never won. Like he's never coached a team to win. He won the the Olympics with a team of absolute superstars, and he won the Red Wings when they were absolutely stacked as well. But yeah. I think he definitely he he was a good coach with the Leafs. Uh, but I just think his time has run its course. I think you just see that happen sometimes with coaches, right? They just kind of like you see that a lot with Tortorella, I think. Uh, but like in this case, I think you see it again. Uh, he's just like you know he's reached his expiry date with the Leafs. I think he can definitely be a good coach elsewhere. But uh, yeah, I think he's definitely up for a firing. I mean, I look all over the place, everywhere I see, all the news outlets, the score, whatever. Uh, they're all right. They all have an article, a feature piece about how he's going to get fired, and I don't think that's a good sign for Mike Babcock. I don't think so either. I don't know, to mention when Babcock was coaching Team Canada at the Olympics. Admittedly, I wasn't playing, paying that much attention when I was eight years old during the Vancouver Olympics. But from what I remember from Sochi, I feel like they kind of won that gold medal despite him, because obviously, as the, yeah. as there always will be, there's there's so much you know there's so much offensive talent on Team Canada, and the first game they they beat Norway three to one. They beat the USA one nothing in the semifinals. He kind of drained them of the offense to to play a more structured game. And I feel like, obviously, it ended up they won anyway. But I feel like Babcock kind of held them back from a different coach who might have just said, you know, your team Canada, just go just go play ice hockey. And they could have had more offense to to their game and been more exciting. Like it wasn't. I feel like it wasn't as much fun to cheer for Team Canada as it could have been, or like as it is at the World Juniors, you know. I think I think yes, you're right, and I think that's carried over to the Leafs. I think uh, he's he's kind of held them back offensively. He doesn't employ the run and gun system. Uh, you know, you see him play a lot of boring hockey, especially when mm-hmm. you get to this kind of the season. And uh, I think that's just his coaching style. Uh, and just, yeah, it just doesn't fit with the the Leafs and how they're built. How Kyle Dubas sees this team, uh, which is. Yeah. Uh, youthful, speed, offense, run and gun, you know? Uh, you shoot the puck and go, 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 right? Uh, meanwhile, mm-hmm. Mike Babcock, he likes his, you know, his veteran play and whatever, whatnot. Uh, so, yeah, that's 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 what's up. Uh, I mean, Cody Cece has been looking awful, uh, I think, as we expected. But, uh, yeah, he's just... You look him last night, I totally uh, blew it uh, against Pittsburgh. He was totally, like... He blew his assignment twice in the same play that led to a Pittsburgh goal. Uh, so, you know, this just – and Mike Babcock is playing him too much. So, you know, he's, he's just uh, – he seems to be too he, – he seems to have not evolved with the game, you know, with the, the yep. speed, the new age hockey. He just seems to have been stuck in his, you know, his mid-2000s game. The one that, you know, won in the Stanley Cup basically with Detroit. So, yeah, I think uh, it's time for a change for in Toronto. I would tend to agree with that. I was just about to say something else, but I just it just slipped my mind. It might have been something about the Leafs or, or Team Canada or Kyle Dubas. I don't remember. Maybe I'll think of it. Uh, Donna, we can move on to to a. We were just talking about how the Leafs lost to the Penguins yesterday, in pretty embarrassing yep. fashion, six to one. And the Penguins uh, were without their captain Sidney Crosby, one of the best players in the world. They will be out for six weeks, and ouchie, that's, ouchie. that's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty big. Crosby's had a pretty clean bill of, bill of health ever since his his uh concussion problems for, from circa 2012, 
And what 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 injury is it? I don't remember. What do you know? Uh, I thought it was a lower body one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I don't okay. I don't think he re-injured his. Uh, I I have no, no. I hope not for his. No way. Eh? Yeah, but, I, uh, yeah think I think it was. That. I think it was either. Uh, I think it was in his uh, ankle or something. I don't, I'm not sure. Is he gonna have to have a yeah. surgery? Uh, I think I, th- I thought uh, I heard that he already went th- under a procedure here. Look, it was a groin injury first of all, and uh, okay. yeah, he did have he did have surgery already, and uh, he's gonna miss six weeks after the core muscle surgery that he had a couple days ago. Okay, so about so six weeks lands about around the the start of January. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think the Penguins are going to be able to hold on without him because whenever Crosby's out, Evgeny Malkin becomes Evgeny Malkin times two. It's crazy. Yeah. And it kind of like, I was thinking about this the other day because of how well Malkin always does when when he's the go-to guy, when Crosby's not, Crosby's not there. It kind of makes you wonder how good Malkin would have been if he had played his whole career on a different team where he was the top guy. And maybe if you would get more recognition as, you know, maybe one of the best players of this generation. Yeah, no, I, for sure. This guy, uh, he's he's an absolute superstar. And I think you're right in saying that he's definitely underrated uh, playing in Crosby's shadow basically his entire career. Uh, but if you ask him, I think he's happy because he's won, uh, what, three cups already with the Penguins. Oh, I'm sure uh, he's not complaining. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, so this guy, yeah, he's just, uber talented and you see that the penguins are definitely in good hands uh even with crosby injured you saw that they played still pretty well like uh when crosby you know like seven years back uh when he did have his concussion problems uh you know they still had their number one center and this guy uh the penguins definitely are incredibly stacked up in the, uh, up the middle with these two uh, leading the punch uh-huh and uh chris letang is also injured he didn't play last night he's listed as week to week Hmm. Uh, which is Nick Bugstad is hurt too. He got hurt, I think, yesterday. He's listed as day-to-day. So I think we did this a couple weeks ago when the Penguins had a ton of injuries. We can do it again. I just got their lines pulled up. We can go through them if you like. Sure, sure. Why not? All right. So Malkin is top-line center playing with Jake Gensel and Brian Rust. Okay, okay. okay. Then, then Jared McCann is at center. With uh, Dominic Cahoon and Brandon Tanev. Okay, mm. okay, okay. Yeah, Brandon Tanev. Al- Alex Galchenyuk is playing on the, the left wing on the third line. Alex Galchenyuk, who has zero goals and five assists in 11 games. Oh, ouch. Okay. Oosh, that uh, hurts. In a contract yeah, here, too. Ah, uh, that's Dominic, not great for him. Dominic Simon is on the right wing. And guess who's playing center on a line where Galchenyuk is on a wing? You'll never guess. Ooh. It's Joseph Blandisi. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's fun. That's fun. Joseph uh, Blandisi. Yes, Joseph Blandisi. You want to remind and me what on that... on the fourth line... Yeah. Sorry, what? Never mind. Just just keep going. Fourth line. Oh, yeah. Fourth line. Uh, Teddy Bluger is playing center. Teddy Bluger saves the world. Uh, in between Zach Aston Reese and Sam Lafferty. That's a that's a decent fourth line, I think. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's. I mean, I'm not overly concerned about this team. I mean, it's like it's like average if, uh, at best. Uh, but it's not it's not a terrible forward team. Uh, obviously, you're a bit concerned for their center depth. You mentioned Blandizi, uh, Jared McCann as a second line center, kind of suspect. 
But uh, yeah, no, this team, uh, this team, I think it should be fine. Uh, it, sh- it should be about a wildcard team for the remainder of the uh, Crosby's injury. And uh, no, this team, this team's uh, fine. I mean, it's Pittsburgh. Uh, they have a. It's just their culture is also really good. You mentioned culture. Uh, yeah, I think they'll be fine. What do you think? And uh, so, sorry, I actually I didn't really hear much of what you said there. the The feed was kind of it's kind of chopping out, but I can go through the uh, the defense pairings too without Chris Letang there. They've they actually got twenty two year old recent college free agent John Marino playing on the top pair with Brian Dumoulin, and then Justin Schultz is playing with Marcus Pedersen and Jack Johnson, who actually scored a goal recently, is playing oh. with Yuso Ricola. Who? Yuso Ricola. Yuso okay. Ricola. The two uh, eyes in his last names. In his last R I I, like a double I. R I I, K O L A, just like the the Ricola. Think of that every time. I don't even know what that Beautiful. is. Just a commercial I hear it's sometimes. A, it's a it's a throat lozenge for when you don't have the sore throat. Uh, a lozenge. Uh, a lozenge, exactly. Uh, so okay. Uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, I'm not a big fan of that defense core, uh, even at the beginning of the season when they had good Branson and Johnson up there. Uh, so, but I mean, they've made it this far with, with this defense core, right? With Crosby. Uh, I mean, what are they? They're a wildcard team. I think that's, that's where they deserve to be. I don't think they're better than the Islanders or the Capitals or the Hurricanes by any means. So, uh, yeah, I think they're right where they're supposed to be. I think they'll still hover around the zone. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll make the playoffs. I think they'll hover in and out of th- uh, uh, the wild card spot. I think they're going to end up making the playoffs. I do. Okay. Uh, we the Canadians are second in the division right now. I want to pull up the standings because we should uh, we can acknowledge it. Where uh, yeah, where are the Penguins right now? Do you have it pulled up? Yeah, they're first wild card. Okay, first wild card, and I think top three in their division are uh, Washington. New York Islanders in Carolina. And yeah, in the Atlantic, exactly. it's Boston, Montreal, Florida. Mm-hmm. And the wild cards are Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. So yeah. Tampa Bay still has quite a few games in hand on most of these teams. And they're not very far behind. So I think we've still really got to watch out for the Lightning. They've only played 17 games. And the last wild card spot, it's Philadelphia, who's played 20 games and are only four points ahead of Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, I but think uh, you know, them pretty soon. I think uh, it's with this Tampa Bay, but like, uh, you know, they haven't. I don't know. I think we're just we're all waiting for Tampa Bay to, you know, like go on a heater. I mean, all these games in hand are great and all, but if you can't do anything with them, I mean, you look at their last ten; they're five, four, and one. That's mediocre, uh, especially for the talent that they have. Uh, so you know, I'm just gonna wait until they, they turn it on. The Lightning only played the Lightning only played two games this week. They're one and one. They they beat the Rangers nine to I think it was nine to three on Thursday. And then lost by the Jets, lost to the Jets by one goal yesterday. So So it's okay, not like but they're it, cold or anything. But it's 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 like it's the Islanders. Uh no, sorry, it's the the Lightning from you take last year, you expect them to be world beaters, right? And it's the team hasn't changed. You still expect them to do the same. And I think they're broken mentally a bit, even still. Uh yeah, they beat the Rangers 9-3, but it's the Rangers. Uh, it's the Rangers, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the team that has not been doing very well this year. Uh, so, 
Yeah, basically, I've, I've been saying this uh, basically all season. I'm just waiting until they pop. And when they pop, I'll buy it. But they haven't popped. So, you know, I, like I don't know. What the I feel like we've already had this conversation. Mm-hmm. I we feel have. like we've already had this conversation two or three times already. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's so, so bizarre. Sorry? Okay. It's, it's just so bizarre. You know what I mean? A team this talented. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're mm-hmm. not in the playoffs. But anyways, we'll move on uh, since we've already had this discussion. Okay, All so right. uh, the big news in the hockey world over the last week, week and a day, has been Don, Don Cherry. Cherry. Uh, we, we didn't mention it last week because it was very fresh news. But uh, he has been fired since our last episode. Uh, you know, you've seen Ron McLean make a couple apologies uh, the, on his hometown hockey the next day and again last night. Uh, so you want to give us your thoughts? Yeah, so he hadn't been fired yet when we made when we had uh, last week's episode. He was fired on Monday. Uh-huh. And the I actually, what I've been doing for Coach's Corner, because I used to, you know, when you're like 9, 10, 11 years old, kind of, oh, you know, Don Cherry's the, the Canadian hockey legend. you got to listen to what he says. And so, you know, you do, and a lot of people do. Oh, got to listen to Don. Got to listen to Ron and Don. And as you as you get older, you kind of realize, hey, maybe this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, may, wait, maybe he is a misogynist. And you kind of start hearing, you know, these different, points of view and it kind of it kind of and by the time he was like the past year year or two i've i've barely been watching coach's corner just because it makes my blood boil when he says like besides just the outdated views on the actual game of hockey itself on whether it's the importance of fighting or whether it's how dumping the puck in always leads to success even though it actually rarely leads to success but like you can you can look past that you can live with that but when it's when it's saying things like you people who come here in reference to immigrants and pretty obviously also in in reference to immigrants who aren't white because how hmm I wonder what Don Cherry is thinking how he can tell who's an immigrant just by looking at him I wonder what goes on in his head so I've actually often been having the TV on for Coach's Corner but I had it on mute and that's what I that's what I did on Saturday during the last Coach's Corner. So I didn't see live what had happened. I just saw I just saw it afterwards online. So so I don't know if you you watch it or if you have and what your experience is like with it. If you want to talk about that a little bit. Okay, sure. Uh, in my you know personally, I haven't watched Courses Corner uh, in a year, a year and a half. It's been a long time uh, because uh, kind of like you, I haven't you know this guy. Uh, in my opinion, he's just he I he was just I could not believe. This guy was still on the air uh, in this age. And it's just, as you mentioned, on both fronts. I mean, this guy, the game had passed him by years ago. Okay, he had nothing good to say about uh, the game of hockey. He, you know, didn't have any, he, all his views were outdated, right? You mentioned all the, the, the dump-ins and the fighting. The fighting was, just his views on fighting were all broken up. Uh, but more importantly, it was, as you mentioned, his views on, you know, his other views that, that stayed out that, that were outside of hockey, right? Whether it's immigrants or, or, or misogyny or basically, uh, so like this guy had some pretty messed up views, if you ask me. Now, uh, yeah. look, I, I yeah, I I I honestly I'm puzzled as to how he has had this platform for so long. Uh, right, he's had it since the 1980s. Sure, yeah, he was fine. He was good. Everybody, yeah, everybody loved him in the the 90s and whatever the even the early 2000s. But as soon as like the recently, especially. Uh, I mean, I feel like he was just 
on the air because of his reputation. And I don't think that's right because uh, when, especially when you give a guy such like, you know, prime time real estate uh, broadcast waves, you know, why are you employing a guy who has such uh, like offensive views? Right. And, uh, and, and this is just, he, he went on a media tour and he went on Tucker Carlson's show. Uh, I don't know I if know. you're familiar with Tucker Carlson's show, but it's, uh, it's an extremely uh, right-wing show on Fox News, uh, and it's absolutely preposterous. I mean, the bit that he did with Tucker Carlson was, was uh, you know, was was just as ridiculous. But uh, you know, it's it just goes to show. I mean, you see the the kind of irony, right? You want to prove that you're not a bigot by going on Tucker Carlson's show. It's a, it just doesn't work, right? So uh, yeah, just honestly, good riddance um, to Don I Cherry. Agree. Uh, so, you know, I honestly, I don't know what else to say. Uh, you want to talk a bit about Ron McClain? Uh, well, well, before we yeah, do, do I, wanted to, I wanted to mention, uh, there's this new, obviously like the NHL branding hockey is for everyone. And it's, a, and it's really mm-hmm. important and, and it's really, it's a really nice thought and hockey really should be for everyone, but there are still people like Don Cherry who you can find pretty recently examples of them gatekeeping. You see Don Cherry criticizing everyone from Europeans and especially Russians. And when uh, when the Panthers drafted Alexander Barkov instead of Jonathan Drouin, he's, he said something like, oh, them playing playing in the ice follies over in, in Europe and, and Americans and women and even French Canadians. And it's, it's just terrible mm-hmm. that because you, you see some people who are trying to defend Don Cherry talking about, oh, I'm talking about how influential he's been for the past however many years. And you really have to, to notice, everyone has to notice, that just because you're a very big influence doesn't mean you're a positive influence. Don Cherry has pretty much objectively been a negative influence for the sport, for the progression of hockey. And hopefully we start to undo that pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. Undo the, the damage think, uh, that he's done. Yeah, I think, uh, I think just the fact that he's been on the air on hockey and uh, hockey culture for so long, I think it's uh it it speaks a bit to to the hockey culture as you know uh in general. I think it's uh it's maybe not been the the most inclusive uh a sport. No. And I think you're right it's taking a step in the right direction for uh, you know hockey is everyone and all that. But you see, you know, Don Cherry, the reason he was so popular, you know, with with uh you know, with so many people, you know, you you look at why is he so popular? You know, it it, it gets into, you know, maybe a conversation that a lot of hockey people don't want to have you know what i mean like uh why is this sport so white you know you look at all the players you see very few minorities you see very uh-huh. few black people you see very few asians in the sport you know what i mean so yeah yeah it's just uh yeah it, 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 it's definitely a tricky conversation to have mm-hmm. and yesterday was the the first hockey night in canada without don cherry and i don't know how long and I, I don't know yeah. this for sure, but it was probably the most watched in a while. And they were talking, oh, what are they going to do? What are they going to do first intermission? And they, they had Ron McLean talk by himself for about five minutes about what had happened. And then they had him talk about Don Cherry with Haley Wickenheiser and Guy Carboneau for the rest of the intermission. And obviously that's mm-hmm. not what's going to happen next week and every week. So it's still kind of up in the air as to how they're going to fill that time. You want to talk about what uh, what Ron said at the intermission, or or what they might do to, to fill the time? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, what Ron said, uh, I felt it was very heartfelt. I think he said, uh, if you ask me, I think he said a lot of the right things. I mean, uh, uh, he talks about 
you know, taking a stand for what he believes in. Obviously, he has a very close friendship with Don, having worked with him for so long. And, uh, you know, I respect Ron McLean uh, for coming out and, you know, apologizing uh, immediately the next day, right, on Hometown Hockey. And yeah. uh, But also, he was very candid yesterday, you know what I mean? You could tell that, uh, you know, this week has affected him a lot. Uh, you know, he's been very conflicted. I mean, he has a very, you know, as I mentioned, a close friendship with Don. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, obviously, he is at fault to some degree for what, you know, for not, well, I guess he said he didn't process it, but still, you know what I mean? He's next to him and he gave the thumbs up, whatever. But, uh, uh-huh. you know, I, I commend Ron uh, for, for what he said last night. And with respect to what's going to happen in the in what's, in what's coming up, uh, honestly, I, I think you have, first of all, I think I think I don't I think they already announced it, but I think you have to scrap Coach's Corner or anything remotely resembling Coach's Corner, right? Yeah. Um, I think even just like first of all, just ratings wise, it would be a disaster. And you know, I think you just gotta get rid of that whole segment. I think it was toxic at, at this point in the at this point in time. And with alternatives, I don't know. I honestly, uh, I, I don't know if you do have. I don't know if you have any ideas. But right now, off the top of my head, I can't really think of any solutions that uh, Sportsnet would come up with. What do you think? Well, I also wanted to talk a little about about Ron because obviously yeah. good for him to, to talk so candidly in front of the, the camera, no teleprompter or anything. Just one thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit is that he didn't really, really directly mention the the minorities that Don offended and in the last week. He didn't really, he just kind of talked in generalities, you know, kind of mm-hmm. just said, yeah, oh, I just right. had to choose my own principles, just, What you know? That kind of kind of irked me a little bit, but in terms mm-hmm. of what they might do at the first intermission, people had been talking about oh possible replacements for Coach's Corner, but but uh, Ron did say Coach's Corner is no more on TV yesterday. So mm-hmm. I really I really hope that they do more X's and O's coverage. Like they, there's so little of it on on uh, in hockey on any broadcaster and. Uh, you just have kind of guys yelling about about whatever you know, throwing hits or I don't know. And I want to that I want broadcasters to teach the audience about hockey more because you see it all the time in in football and when you when and uh, I think basketball a little bit too, but much more in football. And there's almost none of it in hockey. And when you do see it, like sometimes on Hockey Central, they'll have someone breaking down a particular play. And I love that stuff, and I want to see more of it. So I hope they bring in people who, who are who are experts in that kind of thing. But that's me. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think about that idea that you just brought up. Uh, I think it's a fantastic idea. Uh, I personally, I'm a big fan of you know football and its uh, play design scheme, whatever X's and O's and all that. And uh, yeah, for sure, I think uh, bringing it to hockey would uh, it would definitely entice. Uh, a new brand of uh, of audience members, right? Uh, yeah. You're talking about like, you know, analytics too. You bring that in and, and it's the new age, right, of, of analytics and also like, you know, speed and all that. And, uh, you know, I think it'd be a lot of fun uh, to have an, an, an analytics segment uh, in the first intermission. Uh, and yeah, that's what I've got to say. Uh, well, there still are, you know, some people who, right, rightly or wrongly, are, are opposed to the idea of analytics, even though it's literally just information that we have so i think if you want to do that you've really got to start sprinkling it in really lightly you know like when you want to want to give your pet new food you kind of you don't give them the the new the the full bowl of the new food immediately you kind of just you know start sprinkling in a little bit so that they get used to it and eventually adapt to it 
Yeah, I, I don't know though. I, I I think you go back to the analytics debate. I know we were this 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 podcast is running a bit long today, but uh, hmm. just uh, you know, I think I, I disagree on that point uh, because analytics, it's you know, it's not just you know nerd numbers, whatever, whatever. It has a real effect on the game. So well, I know. Uh, you know, yeah, exactly. So like, why not? You know, like kind of just like you know display prominently uh i don't think we need a you know just a uh, you don't need a spoon feed the older audience i think you explain it clearly uh you get it up there you feature it prominently this is the future of the game uh the teams are starting to use it more and more and the teams that don't they're getting left behind so this is the future of hockey just put it on the broadcast why not and uh you know and feature prominently right away i think because uh honestly the the hockey culture a lot of stupid fans out there let's make them smart I love that optimism. Make the stupid ones smart. Yes. On that note, on that note, we we ran over an hour today, which is uh, mm-hmm. I think that's the first time. Yep. So we will be back next week, November twenty fourth, and the Canadians are going to go three and zero this week. Let's go! Let's go! Knock on wood. Don't drink it. Okay.